0: Well, uh, I, I do want to say a word to those of you who, who are yet and want to be dads. Uh, God is faithful, and he is just, and he is kind, so hang, hang in there. This is a mixed day, you got to admit it, and some of us, our relationships with our dads are so good, we celebrate, and we wake up, I texted my dad this morning because I love him deeply, he doesn't live here in this city, and I'm not going to see him for another a week or so, but others, it's like, you know, dad wasn't present, or dad wasn't kind, and so we want to be sensitive on days like this. Well, um, to turn the page a little bit, we're finishing up the series today. My name is Jose, if we haven't met. And we've been talking for the last few weeks about Sabbath, about this, this concept in the Bible, this practice in the Bible that has been overlooked by many or misunderstood by others. And we're trying to figure out how Sabbath fits with our following of Jesus. And so uh, the first week, if you, if you missed out, they're all on the podcast Um, the first thing we realize is Sabbath is an invitation. This is not a rule and regulation. This is not if you don't, God does not. This is an invitation by God to step into the rhythm of work and rest because this is how God created the world to be. And so we're invited as Jesus followers to trust God the Father's loving rule. How do we trust his loving rule? We stop and realize I don't make my life. Actually, the other six days, I don't make my life either. I'm living out of the love of God. And God is the one who provides seven days a week. So I'm not a machine. I can stop. The second thing we saw was Sabbath as a remedy. We live in a world that is go, 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 more, 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 do, 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 faster, faster, faster. And exactly. And, and in that, God has provided for our manic World, a meaningful resistance, and that is rest. And when we step into God's way, you know what we're doing? We're saying that God, I actually want to follow you more deeply. So you've provided a pathway in our fast paced world. You've provided a day that I'm allowed to slow down and focus my heart and my attention on you, on the people you've given me, on the world that you've made, on the joy of what it is to be alive. I'm not a machine, and the world is saying faster, but I believe, God, you can do more in six days when I set apart one for you. And then the third thing we saw, and last week was so pivotal, is Sabbath as discipleship. Our time does not belong to us. I want to repeat that. Our time does not belong to us. It's God's. All seven days, all 24 hours, every week belongs to God. And so part of my becoming an apprentice to Jesus, part of me living and growing to becoming like the person God created me to be is to step into the pattern of Jesus and Jesus knew when to stop. And we need to learn this as well. Well, that's just review. Today, I want to wrap it up with where Sabbath is leading us. I want to look at Sabbath as promise. Sabbath is, is not just an invitation and it's, it's not just a remedy to the ills of the world and it's not, you know, just part of our discipleship. It's actually us walking in the promises of God and looking ahead to the future. So here's what I would say. Sabbath is for now. This is good for you. And many in this church, and I'm talking to many of you, have been asking, how is this going? And for many, it's been a frustration so far. And I say, well done. When you try reorienting your universe, you're going to have resistance. You're, it's going to be hard. There's going to be, well, I, I stopped my doing, but my brain goes, Brr. yeah, well, God wants to rewire your brain. He wants to teach you to slow down and enjoy. He wants, to, he wants to disciple you. Well, it's for now, but I want to suggest that Sabbath is also for what's to come. We as Jesus followers, why do we not sin on purpose? I mean, we all sin, right? We all stumble. But why do we resist sin? Well, it's because we now belong to God. Oh, that's great. And now we know as Jesus followers, we're working towards a world made new. God's gonna remake the world. We're gonna live with Jesus for eternity, right? Okay, so part of our discipling is saying, since that's where I'm going, this is what I wanna live like now. I wanna live like the direction where God is taking me. If God is taking me to be with him 365 days a year, 24-7 in his presence. Don't I want to live like that now? Uh, let me go back to Father's Day for a second. When I was growing up, we grew up in Brooklyn, New York. And as a kid, my dad had the long commute. He had a bus ride to a train ride to a boat ride to a train ride to go to work in Manhattan. And so, um, so as my dad had the long commute, he was gone for much, you know, I, he would often be gone before the time I got up because he had the long commute in, into work. And I would go into his closet when I got home from school, and, and it was back in the day of the suit and tie. Remember the day, back in the day? Some of you are still stuck in that day. Uh, but, 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 but he's in the day of suit and tie, so I would go in, and I would go into his closet and put on his shirt and, you know, try to do the tie, I butcher that, you know, and even slip into his shoes. And I'm sure my mom laughed about it, but when I was growing up, I, I had a healthy relationship with my dad, so I wanted to be like that. So what do you do when you want to be like that? I try to dress like dad. And it was funny until I wrinkled his clothes. But once a year, at least, uh, I got to go with my dad to work. And like, it, was, it was so huge. Just as a kid, and ride the trains and, and hold dad's hand. And we go in and you come up out of the train station and you're in midtown Manhattan. It's like, wow. I'd go up to my dad on the 17th floor. Why do I still remember it was the 17th floor? Like, I just remember it because I had work to do. Dad had a job for me once a year. All I had to do was work once a year. It was great. And, and I would work, and his assistant would give me my whole chart of work, and then we would take a lunch break and we'd go out with Dad, and, and we'd enjoy lunch. And I, I was working for the payday because I knew at the end of the day, Jay-Z got paid. Jose Zayas, that's Jay-Z. But I got paid. And his assistant would, in a little envelope, give me my pay. And it was something beautiful about being a kid and and stepping into my future right now now i'm not having a commute into midtown manhattan but there is something good and healthy about longing my dad was preparing me just as a young boy to grow up and to follow in the pattern of responsibility and work and one day i would have a job and my my dad is not perfect but he's fantastic, and and prepared me in so many ways. Now, what does the world have that has has it have anything to do with Sabbath? Well, I think in the same way. And I'm just write this down: We keep the Sabbath now, trusting Jesus's promise to bring us into a world made new. Just as a young boy, I, my my dad was shaping me in small ways to get ready for my future. Part of Sabbath is the promise that it's shaping us now, but it's leading us towards Jesus' promise to bring us into the world made new. So here's the beginning and the end of the Bible. God makes all of the universe in the six days, and on the seventh day, God ceases from his labor, not because he needs a nap, not because he's run out of things to do, because God created the universe this way in the rhythm of work and rest of labor and delight and joy. God makes the universe that way. And and how how do we see the world moving? Well, the end of the Bible, the book of the revelation of Jesus, is the final book of the Bible, and we get a hint. We get in Genesis, the beginning of creation, we get a hint. We know what's to come. Not exactly some of it's mysterious, but we know what's to come. And look at what's to come, Revelation 14, 13. Just, Just read it on the screen. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, this is John getting this revelation of the future. Write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed are those who follow Jesus and move on to eternity. Yes, says the Spirit. Notice. They will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. So there's a moving on of what we do into the future, and they're going to rest from their labor. Now, if you read this quickly, and I think this is where we get some of the false idea of what heaven and eternity is like, you're going to think, yeah, rest from labor. So in heaven, there's not any work because we're resting from labor, right? Actually not. Uh, The English word for labor is translating uh, a word in the Bible that talks about uh, how it is uh, stress and strain and trouble. The word is kapas and it's used in the New Testament when it talks about the fatigue and the toil of work. In other words, what, what, what the revelation reveals is that the stress and the strain and the brokenness of work right now, the toil, the burden, the backache, the heartache, the angst of work, that kind of labor is gone. In other words, there are things to do, but work will be different because sin has brought a brokenness that affects every relationship and every moment of every day. How come beautiful relationships have so much angst? It's because we've both been impacted by our own sinfulness and the sinfulness around us. So relationships are a struggle. Would you agree? They are a real struggle. Even though you want to do the good, sometimes you get under the other person's skin. Sometimes you do it on purpose. (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes you think your spouse doesn't realize you're doing it on purpose and that's another story for another day but the reality of it is we, we, we toil and struggle so in the world made new where the world is heading is when, when God makes a new heaven and a new earth and we're with him we will have the delight of the universe Adam and Eve in the garden walking in the cool of the day with their creator and joyfully toiling working in God's space that's the future. That's the future for Jesus followers without the labor pains. Isn't that good news? Yes. So Revelation 22, which is right getting towards the end, verse 3 says this. Speaking of the future, when the heavens are made new and the earth is made new and we're with God, no longer will there be any curse. Praise God. What's destroying our world the curse of sin that impacts everything, it's gone. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city with us here, and his servants will serve him, underline that. In the age to come, there will be work. His servants will serve him, and that's our promised future. Now, some of you, you're already stuck, like, dude, you just destroyed my vision of heaven. I thought it was like endless retirement. Like you just, you just pop the bubble like, wait, wait I, I worked 30, 40, 50 years here. I, I want an eternity with nothingness. Imagine the thing that you're good at and love to do and, and wish you could do 24-7 if your body didn't give out. Imagine being able to partner with God in your greatness, in the greatness he's put in you, but without the struggle of sin and pride and worry about bills. Imagine serving God in the way he impacted and created you. This is heaven, and we're with the Lord. And by the way, there's pictures of meals together. We're around the table together. It's not endless labor for God. It's partnering with God in whatever God wants to do. Isn't that good news? This is where we're we're headed. That's the promised future. So, where does this intersect with Sabbath? Sabbath, for us, is the calling to follow in Jesus' pattern of work and rest now. We don't have to wait till eternity to live this way. We get to do it now. So some of you would say, though, okay, Jose, time out. You said in the age to come and all that. That's the future. So who cares about how I live right now? If it's going to be brand new then, in the future, like, why make the effort? to pause and stop. I mean, who would have thought trying the Sabbath would be hard work? Think about that. And those of you who've taken a step towards that, I realize before it becomes enjoyable, it's kind of like exercise when you get into it and when you're in the rhythm and you're in the zone. There is a joy to it. Some of you haven't gotten there yet. There's a joy, there's a joy to it. But the beginning, you know what it is? It's backache, sore muscles. It's like Where's the payoff? I gained weight. How did that happen? But, but when you get into it, you realize the benefit is there. And So I think in the same way, it's possible to miss out on the good things God wants to do in your life right now. Now, I wouldn't want that for you, and thus the conversation about Sabbath. There are good things God has in store for you, not once a year, every week. You know, every time we gather in Jesus' name, God has good things for you. Why like, why come to church? Why come to the gathering? Why invest the time and energy to be with God's people? Because God has prepared something for all of us every week. That's a bit of a highlight of the presence of God. You know what this should stoke you to? I want to interact with God tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. This is a catalyst to help you grow and flourish in your ongoing walk with Jesus. And in the same way, Sabbath sets the tone for every day. When I enjoy God's presence more because I'm free to. It impacts the Monday through whatever, whenever you Sabbath, if you Sabbath on Sunday, it impacts the Monday through Saturday. But we don't want to miss it. And so in the Bible, you get warnings. I love the Bible because it's filled with promises and blessings and stern warnings. I want to look at a warning simply because I don't want you to miss out. And it's found in Hebrews, Uh, the the writer of Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to look at these verses and think about How can I not miss out? Because I don't want you to miss out on any good thing that God has for you. Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 3. We'll look all the way through verses 11. Let's just read the beginning. It says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was no no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet, his works have been finished since the creation of the world. If this sounds muddy, it should, because I jumped in the middle of an argument. I was gonna read a lot more, but some of you have Father's Day brunch, you know, like about to happen. <laughs> so what's what's the writer saying? Okay, in the big picture, the writer of, of Hebrews is calling the church, calling those who claim to follow Jesus to walk by faith, live by faith, obey God by faith, trust Jesus, right? And don't just hear the good news. Uh, don't just think about the good news. Take action. Make it personal. Walk this out. And tucked in it, and this is going to take a couple of minutes, if you don't know the Bible super well, if you're new to it, you've got to realize the writer's logic. Here's what the writer does, all throughout Hebrews, but especially here in chapter 4. God had already done something with his people centuries prior, And he's going to use this as an example of why when you hear God's voice. Now, I'm not talking about like I'm walking down the street and he says, Jose. I'm talking about when you know that what God has said is true is being revealed to you. When you read the Bible and you realize that this is right, no matter what anybody says. When you hear God's voice, when you hear something that's true, do not harden your heart to it. Don't ignore it don't go against it. Lean into it. Lean into it. Hear it. And by faith, trust that God's way is better. So he leans on this ancient story. God had rescued his people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the descendants become slaves. They grow in Egypt. And God promises to Abraham, centuries prior, I am going to give you a land. In the end, your people, your descendants, are going to walk with me. And it's going to be in a real space, like the Garden of Eden was a real space. And you're going to know my ways. You're going to hear my voice. Like I was with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the garden, I'm going to interact with you. The world's going to know I'm alive because I love you. And I'm going to give you rest. By the way, they're enslaved literally in a foreign power in Egypt. I'm going to give you rest. Well, God rescues them, you know, through Moses and brings them Out of Egypt at Mount Sinai, he gives them his way, his law, what we call the Ten Commandments, which includes Sabbath. You want to walk with me? You want to know my ways? Stop. Don't make your servants work. You don't work. Don't delegate the work. Don't make Uber work. Just stop and enjoy me. I made you for myself. Well, they get to the edge of the land. And remember in Numbers 13, um, the, the 12 spies, representatives from each tribe, they go into the land to see the good thing that God had given them, right? God had prepared this rest for them. And, and all they had to do was go in and say, hey, look at what's there. Bring back a sampling of all the fruit and all the beauty. And then when you go take it, they come out. They come back to the, to the assembled tribes. And you remember, anyone trivia question, how many of the 12 said, this is great, we should do what God said? How many of the 12? I don't know. Just two. Ten say, there are giants in the land. Ain't no way this is going to happen. Uh, they're going to take us out. We're not a military power. They're powerful. Don't do it. Don't listen to God. Two say, this is amazing. God's trustworthy. By the way, God got us out of Egypt. Oh, by the way, God got us through water on dry land. Oh, God gave us water from a rock. Oh, God dropped birds from heaven and fed us quail. Oh, God brought up food from the ground called manna, which means what is it? Because no one knew what it was, but cook it and eat it, right? God had been faithful, but yet not everyone trusted God. Not everyone now, these were God's loving people. God had promised them a place of blessing. But you know, an entire generation did not make it into the land. Now, I want us to walk in the tension of this because this is what the writer of the Hebrew says. It's not enough just to hear God's word. We have to take action. And what's the action for us? I'm going to suggest this. Not following a bunch of random rules and regulations. It's, it's deeper than that. Our response is to trust Jesus. Amen. Trust Jesus. Jesus is the one who can bring us into the full rest. So a whole generation, wandering in the desert, didn't experience the joy of what God had promised. So remember the warning. Don't miss out on what God wants to bring you now. That's, to me, part of the beauty of Sabbath is recognizing God has already rescued me. If I've chosen to follow Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus is the Savior. I said to Jesus, rescue me. I become a child of God. The, the good news is that not that I'm good enough to know God, but that God's loving enough to bring me back, and he did it in sending Jesus. But Jesus was sent, and Jesus did the work. But just like the parallel, not everyone actually trusted God, and some fell short And so the warning is, don't fall short. Now, what does the writer of the Hebrews say as the remedy? Here's the opportunity. You can trust Jesus by obeying him right now. You can demonstrate your trust by obeying. Let's just keep reading Hebrews 4, verses 4 and following. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And he quotes Genesis. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. And again, in the passage above, because he quoted this earlier, he says, Psalm 95, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, and he's just reading their history. God made himself plain to all the people, but some laid hold of it, And enjoyed God's rest. Some did not. What's God's answer? Verse 7. God again set a certain day calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David. As in the passage already quoted. Today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest. God would not have spoken later about another day. And I know this can sound confusing, but he's reminding them of history. Thousands of years before, God brought people to the land and said, you could take it, and some said, no, they never got into the rest. But, oh, in Joshua, one generation later, they did enter. So was the rest that God promised a piece of land? He says, absolutely not. Because centuries later, King David would say, today, if you hear his voice, Don't harden your hearts because there's a rest that God wants to give you. Now, what's the rest? David was already in the land. So it's not just a peaceful place to to worship God. The rest was looking forward. The the going in the land was one step forward to what God wanted to fully reveal in Jesus. And here's where he says it, verse 9. So there remains then a Sabbath rest. For the people of God. For anyone enters into God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. So he, said, so he says, think back to history. God was bringing people to the land. Yes, that was rest, but that was only partial rest. Under King David, God wants to provide you a rest. They were already in the land. Okay, so there's more rest. What God was leading to was complete rest from having to work to enjoy the promises of God. And now he says, the writer of Hebrews, Jesus provides a full, true Sabbath day rest. Verse 11, let us therefore, and then a little bit of an oxymoron, make every effort to enter that rest, which sounds like I'm confused. Make every effort, strive to Sabbath. Strive to enter into the rest of God's reign, so that no one will perish by following their pat- or pattern or example of disobedience. Today, if you hear God's heart, do uh, God's voice. Do not harden your heart. Write this down. Full rest is found in trusting and following Jesus every day. When we talk about Sabbath and the rhythms. of, of work, work is good, it's a gift of God, it's a struggle, yes, but it's for our good. Rest is a gift from God, it's a struggle to turn things off, but it's for our good. But this is not just about repatterning our lives so we'll be the fullest humans that we could possibly be. That's a lofty goal, but that's actually not God's goal. What's God's goal? That we would trust and follow Jesus All seven days. And when we, like Israel, hear the voice of God, which says, it is okay for you to stop, and I'm not requiring you to labor every day. When we hear his voice telling us, why don't you seek me often? But you know what? I know raising kids, having family, building business is good, and it takes a lot of time So God in the rhythm of our week says, but you have a day. I'm giving it to you. And and you can do what you will with it. You can work it. And go and go and go. Or you can listen to my pattern. Today if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Full rest is found in trusting and following Jesus all seven days. And so this is where for those of us who follow Jesus, this is more than just a Hebrew or Jewish expression of a holy day, right? And every belief system has holy days for various reasons. For us, it's, it's so much more. It's realizing that seven days a week, God frees me from my sin, and when I sin, I can come to him and find full pardon. Seven days a week, Jesus knows what's better, and Jesus when I come and follow him, gives me his very own presence, his Holy Spirit living within me. So when I read the word of God, which is the truth of God, if you want to know God's voice, open the book or the app, which is the book. If I want to know what God is thinking, if I want to know what God is saying, I have access. I'm, I'm not trying to hurt you. Maybe slightly. But... I have access to the Father seven, I'm almost afraid to speak, seven days a week. And so for for those who follow Jesus, when we think of Sabbath, we mustn't think of earaches. we, We have to think it's following the pattern of God, work, rest, and in all these things, enjoying him. So what happens when we tried over the last three weeks to set apart time and we find ourselves falling short? Hear me, do not give yourself a guilt trip. Do not, do not think that the Father is trying to pound you and rebuke you. He's trying to encourage you. My son, my daughter, well done for honoring me. Well done for taking steps in my direction. And by the way, I can empower you to have the most joy-filled weekly rhythm when you take steps in my direction. In other words, do not harden your heart. But the warning still remains, we can miss out. Jesus' followers burn out. And it's not the heart of God. And let's be fair, let's not blame Jesus for our burnout. When we do not follow his ways... We live into the reality that we create. So this is not a condemnation or a guilt trip thing. And if you haven't started yet, hey, that's okay. I would just hope that you and I, we would live in the tension and the beauty of conviction. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said He was gonna He's gonna convict and convince the world of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. If in the last few weeks you've you've had a little nudge maybe because something someone said or in your community group the discussion and you've thought gosh this seems inconvenient but i feel like it's right that's the that's the spirit of god leading you in the path of truth and my only word to you as we end this series and move into in the summer is we've just begun to work out sabbath the series is ending but the work's just beginning right And so all summer long, we're going to be doing a series called Encountering Jesus. And we're going to be looking, starting next week, at episodes in the life of Jesus, his encounter with someone, or when people wanted to see him, or a truth that Jesus spoke. And we're going to be looking at the life of Jesus all summer long. But let's not make this the series that started and flopped. (laughs) But rather, let's use this as a springboard to now helping each other Live this out regularly. I've said it before, but it's worth saying again. It took a couple of years for this to become more natural, rhythmic, life-giving. And now I'm far enough along, and I'm not saying it to say, look, there are weeks that are, are, are really poor. There are weeks that are really stellar. But the rhythm is so natural on a week where I miss that 24 hours of disconnection, I feel it deeply in my soul. And I don't like that feeling because I know the joy of of what God had given me prior and I want to go back. So this is not a got to. This is a get to invitation. And so why does any of this matter? Bring it back full circle to Father's Day and we're going to respond in worship. My dad uh, was new to following Jesus when we were young. uh, Very new. And so when they read the Bible, the Bible became their real guide for decision-making, and so when the Bible talks about time set apart to worship God, my my parents took that literally, and so Sunday, uh, they didn't call it Sabbath, they just called it Jesus's day, right, and our church gathered in the morning, and we were the first people there, and the last people leave, 9 and 11 were the last people to leave and have lunch, and then a two-hour nap and some football, And we came back Sunday nights, every week, and spent Sunday nights with God's people in prayer and worship and testimony. And as a kid, I didn't completely get it. And by the evening, I I often resisted. My parents were lovingly wise enough to say, that's great. Well, you're going anyway. Um, That's great. You're You're going anyway. That's great. You're going anyway. But you know what it built? It built in this rhythm that Jesus is really important. And the legacy of my parents, and and again, not everyone has that, so my heart aches if if you didn't have that pattern. But you're alive, and today if you hear his voice, you could actually go in another direction that's more Jesus-centered. And in doing it, it it is good for you. But I want us to think of Sabbath as promise. Do you realize the pattern reshaped in your life could impact great-great-grandkids? Now, some of them are like, well, I don't even know. Or, or if you don't have children, it could impact the families and the people around your nieces and nephews or whatever. Generations to come, our family, like my brothers, my sister, and I have been reshaped for the good because my parents imperfectly modeled this love of Jesus and this commitment. And it's so reshaped that all four of us, we can't, we can't see life in a different way. Just a different way wouldn't make sense but we had to hear God's voice and take action. So it wasn't enough for our parents to, to hear God's voice and now automatically. No, what the writer of Hebrews says is every generation is given today. And your gift is today. Tomorrow, you may not have. Tomorrow's not promised. It's probably there. It's not promised though. What you have is today. Today, if you hear his voice, soften your soul to what God wants to do. Okay, a couple of ways that if God is stirring you, it would make, these would be appropriate. We're all gonna sing in a moment, and that's appropriate, to worship the God who who made us, to give him glory because he's glorious, and, and to honor him because he's worthy, that's a right response. So I invite you to that in a moment. We're going to take the bread and the cup. In a moment, I'm going to have you walk, and you're going to grab it. We're going to remember Jesus. Jesus died and rose again to save sin-filled people like me. And that's the good news. So those of us who have received it, we take and we eat. It's, a, it's an act of faith. Jesus, I remember you. You in me. Me in you. This is the hope of the glory to come, that Christ is in us now. And so we take it, eat. That's, that's appropriate. When we are struggling, we go to prayer for one another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. So it's an act of faith, of trust in Jesus, to say, I need someone to pray for and with me. So we're going to invite you, when we go to the tables, you can go to the area that says prayer. And it could be big, could be small, doesn't matter. We want to pray one for another. Again, all of these are steps that we take to trust in Jesus. And, and we can actually follow him. So this morning, if you've not yet started following Jesus uh, as, as an act of faith, I'm going to invite you, when everyone goes to the table, to simply go. And someone from our prayer team will be there and say, today I want to follow Jesus. And they'll, they'll pray with you. If we confess Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised his son from the dead, we'll be rescued. That's the beginning of a whole new life with a whole new heart and a whole new future. And we want that for you. And you can respond today. I'm going to invite you to get up and and do that. And even if you're ready to do that on the outside, uh, we would love to baptize you, whether you started following Jesus today or if you followed him for years but yet not been obedient to walk in his pattern and in his way, we would love to do that. All of these are appropriate, right, towards our response. I'm going to invite you to stand, if you would. And let's... Let's not end. Let's just continue in this this season of, of, of remembering Jesus. And then let's walk into the new week committed to God enabling us to live in the pattern of work and rest and work and rest. And Lord, we want this to be our life now. We want to step into your rhythm now because we know it's what you've prepared us for. Lord, we believe that your way is the best way. So God, forgive us for areas of resistance. God, forgive us for thinking we could produce more than you called us to produce. Lord, forgive us for trying to do your work in our own strength. Lord, we hear your voice, and now we want to obey. God, as your people, your sons and daughters, young and old, take steps of faith to now respond to what they've heard God, I pray that you'll honor each heart and life. Draw near to us, God, because we're drawing near to you. We pray in the beautiful and matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.